And uh, as we turn there and as we go into that passage, uh, how many have been reading the book of Luke? Uh, how many read Luke 23 today? Okay. Amen. And so we're going to uh, look at a passage in that scripture. And I believe that God is going to help us tonight in this place. There's a story about a teenager uh, who had just gotten his driving permit. So he asked his father, who was a minister, if they could discuss his use of the car. His father said to him, I'll make a deal with you. You bring your grades up, study your Bible a little, get a haircut, and then we'll talk about it. So a month later, the boy came back and again he asked his father if they could discuss his use of the car. His father said, son, I'm really proud of you. You have brought your grades up. You've studied your Bible diligently, but you didn't get your hair cut. So the young man waited a moment and replied, you know, dad, I've been thinking about that. I've read the Bible and in the Bible, Samson had long hair. Moses had long hair. Noah had long hair. Don't smile, guys. We're going somewhere with this. Jesus had long hair. And then his father replied, Yes, son. And if you read on further, you'll also find they walked everywhere they went. How many know that's a wise dad? He got his son back. <laughs> but the truth be told, what I want to talk to you about tonight is the subject of rewards. The kingdom of God has mechanisms of rewards. When you read the word of God, you understand that the Bible is very precise and clear. It honors and it recompenses the faithful. You find that all through scripture, God always rewards those who are faithful to Him. And the reality is, the human heart, psychologically speaking, craves to be rewarded. This can be in Many physical ways, we crave reward through a pat on the back. We, re we, re we crave for reward through words that are spoken. And we can assume that every human being that is seated here and everyone else always will have the deep innate desire to be rewarded. None of us will want to work for free. At the end of every month, we expect a recompensation, we expect a compensation, we expect some kind of remuneration for the work, the effort, and the things that we begin to commit to. When there are rewards tonight that profit and benefit you and I, when it benefits us personally, what it does is, it causes us to have wasted interests. 
when the reward becomes personal. That means, you know, if I did this, I will get this in return. When I put my heart and soul into this, I will be rewarded in such and such a way. When you know that the reward will benefit you personally, you become deeply interested in the task you are carrying out on. We despise the ingenuine reward programs that are there, isn't it? There's so many programs. There are so many types of reward programs. You have the point system. You have the cashback today. You have uh, 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 all kinds of loyalty programs, you know, where you go and you buy something. They give you a card. They stamp, stamp, stamp. And when you get to the, you know, 10th cup of coffee you buy, you get a free coffee. The truth is, how many know that many of those kind of programs come with its own ungenuine and insincere realities? You, you get to a certain number of coffees you buy and what they tell you, uh, you want to get your, your, your free cup of coffee, you got to spend $25 and above and you get one free cup of coffee. You know, it's, it's always that insincere uh, uh, gimmick that goes on. But how many know the kingdom of God is a rewarding kingdom and it is genuine? The Word of God declares, as we know, that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. In Luke 23, verses 39 to 43, and we're going to go there tonight and read the passage. I, I, I hope you read it because I want to preach from this, uh, assuming that you have some understanding about this passage. The Bible says in verses 39, Then one of the criminals who were, hang, who was, who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him saying do you not even fear god seeing you are under the same condemnation and we indeed justly for we receive the due reward of our deeds but this man has done nothing wrong then he said to jesus lord remember me when you come into your kingdom jesus said to him assuredly i say to you today you will be with me in paradise so here's a tale of two men one on the left and one on the right hand side of jesus one understood the reward that was at stake while the other man wallowed in his anger his bitterness and his hurt we see that in verses 39 he begins to speak words of challenge and words of condemnation to jesus what did he say if you are the christ bring yourself down he was challenging Jesus. He was in his most uh, 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 fighting spirit, if you may. Or he was in a spirit of lacking peace. He was not there to make peace with Jesus. He was there to fight him. But the other man, the man who was on the other side, spoke some words that revealed to us his realization that he realized and he was aware of how his actions are tied to the reward. One man condemned Jesus while the other man spoke with the fear of God. You have to see this is the tale of two men. 
These were the, this is the tale of two criminals that were next to Jesus on Calvary's heel. And godly fear, as you see, the man, the second man that we talk about, he makes this, this command. He begins to speak concerning Jesus. And he says in verses 40, Do you not even fear God? Seeing that you are under the same condemnation. Can you catch what this man is saying? He is trying to bring some kind of re realization to the other man. He's basically trying to tell the first criminal, Look man, what you're saying is not right. You shouldn't run your mouth that way. Do you not realize this man is the king of the Jews? He didn't, he didn't, you know, he didn't discriminate that. He did not come against those words that were written on the board. You know, this is the king of the Jews. He didn't discriminate that. He respected that. He revered that. And he embraced the revelation of that. And this is what produces godly fear. Listen carefully to me. Godly fear produ produces clear perspectives. Why are people so messed up? Why are people unable to see the action that they're conducting is indeed wrong in the eyes of God? In our own eyes, we seem to think we are right. But godly fear produces clear perspective. This man had a clear perspective. This man understood. No, you cannot speak about that man on that cross that way. Think about it with me. There were a number of different men on that cross. There were a few of them on that. It was a hill where they crucified criminals. It wasn't only Jesus. Why would this man speak about Jesus in such manner? Let's look beyond the board. This is the king of Jews. It was beyond that. And I say to you that the word of God is clear concerning this truth. That our reward is fairly appropriated by our actions. God is a God of justice. Matthew 25, 21, the Bible says, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Romans chapter 2, verse 6, Who will render to each one according to his deeds? Do we think we can run away from God? You know, we can... We can sit in church, we can put on a front, we can have all the appearances, talk the Christian language, speak the lingo. But how many know God sees everything? You don't fool me. Don't, don't worry about me. We fool ourselves. Colossians 3, 23 to 24 and whatever you do, say whatever. Say whatever. You do. Right? Whatever you do. What does that mean? That means whatever you do. Everything, anything. Whatever you do. You know what it means? Whatever you do. Do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. 
You see, this evening, beloved, our reverence and our fear for God or the fear of God in us will be reflected in the words that proceed from our mouth. This man that was sitting or he was hanging on the cross next to Jesus, it reveals to us that he had, he was a criminal, he was a crook, he was a man who was wanted by his own city or his state or whatever you may call it. He was a man who was wanted, but you see the words this man spoke, it reveals something profound to me, beloved, that this man had a divine encounter with Jesus. I want you to catch this tonight If you don't get anything else I want you to get this from the first point When you meet Jesus You will never be the same Now that's not a blanket statement That means you stop cursing You stop gossiping you stop looking at things you shouldn't. And I don't have to say, and I don't have to go on, but I'm trying to say that when you meet Jesus, when you have that divine encounter, when that encounter gets so personal with you, your nature changes. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. His words bore witness that his life was changed. He spoke with fear, a reverence and honor for God. And the words are incredibly powerful. And I can tell you right here, as, as, I, as, I, as, as I go into my second point, I can tell you, beloved, the enemy will do anything in his power to eliminate the seriousness of God's reward for our lives. You see, so many times it becomes so subconscious. We become so, you know, uh, uh, just go through life without taking into account what's this action? Does this word, does this, does this thing that I'm conducting, is it going to affect my reward in eternity? We don't ask that anymore. It doesn't bother us anymore. It doesn't catch us anymore. We can live like the heathen. We can live like the world. We can say things like the world. We can behave like them. And then yet, we want to call ourselves Christians. I'll say to you at the, at the, at the middle of the sermon that you know what? You will probably die and go to heaven, but you will not get a reward. That's the question tonight. Are you interested in the reward that Jesus has for you? Pastor, will I go to heaven if you're clean? You're not in sin. Yes, you would. But if you're fornicating, you're committing ungodliness, you're looking at things, you should know, and Jesus, the trumpet blows tonight, you're not going to go to heaven. I'll tell you that straight up. Don't waste your time delusioning yourself. Oh, I'm going to heaven. Yeah, you just told a lie. Right? Because how many know you, 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 oh, God is gracious. No, but he's also a judge. It'll be unfair if he lets people who live like the world without making stands for God into heaven. See, the knowledge of God being a rewarder is critical to our salvation. One man in this text missed God because he lacked reverence. He refused to acknowledge that his actions has consequences. So we see the first man on the cross, right? And this man is condemning Jesus. He is speaking words, Oh, if you are the Christ, pull yourself down. If you are so powerful, then why don't you redeem yourself? Am I right? 
And then the next thing you see, this very same man is refusing to acknowledge that what he's conducted has consequences. So this is where the rubber meets the road, beloved. Do you understand tonight, with all seriousness, I'm asked a very, very serious question. Do you understand that God, Jesus, our Savior, is going to come again, the Bible says in the book of and in His hands, He will bring His rewards. In other words, he is looking for those who have been doing what is right. He is looking for those who revered and honoured Him and walked in the fear of God. He is looking, beloved, from this passage, we can draw a conclusion that when a man looks at God a certain, in a certain way, he begins to have this, this delusional thought of God. He begins to have this warped thought of God, that God, you know what, you can save yourself. Instead of running to Him, He has pride that I can do this myself. It's very fascinating the amount of people who need prayer who don't come to church. I'll be honest with you, I hardly pray for them. Because and, and, and I'll say that very carefully. Not that I don't pray for everybody. I pray. But if I know that, you know what, you can come to church, you're healthy, you can show up in the house of God, but wouldn't come, forget it. I'm not praying for you. It doesn't bother me. Because I realize you have to make up your mind how important God is. Oh, pray for me, bless me, heal me, God. No. Go ask another pastor, please. Because I believe, beloved, that this is critical to our reward. I will pray that God will maybe, you know, save you. I will pray that maybe God will touch you. And don't get me wrong, but beloved, this is where the rubber meets the road. So many people behave like the first criminal on the cross. They want nothing to do with Jesus, but they want all His blessing. They won't humble themselves. You see, does our words, our actions express our seriousness that God is a rewarder? Are we careful? Do we realize that He is the only one who can reward us? Do we realize that He is the only one, beloved, who can bring us the reward that He's promised. How do you speak of God? How do you behave? Like the first man? Or the second man? The second thing I want to consider with you is the reward is eternal. The reward is not here tonight. It's not money. It's not prosperity. It's not health, it's not wealth, it's none of that. The great reward is you stepping into eternity and spending time with Jesus your whole life. That's really the blessed hope. That is the great reward. It's so sickening that, that we become, you know, so money-minded, so consumed by, you know, oh, this is what's going to bring us success and so on and so forth. But Christians ought to realize that the real reward is God, 
It is a relationship with God. And this is what we see here. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above. Above. Not on things on the earth. You see, the criminal who had a revelation realized that he was paying a price for what he had done here on earth. The law of consequences, the law of sowing and reaping is eminent. It has to happen. He did the crime. He pays the price. Amen. He broke the law. He pays the price. So this is what the second man understands. But our text suggests that he realized he couldn't change the trajectory of his life. Look at this. What a revelation. It's sad that even Christians don't have this revelation. Look at this passage, beloved. Verses one. He said to the Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You know what he's saying? Nobody in this world can change the trajectory of my life but this man on the cross. Only he can change the trajectory of my life. Nobody else. Nobody else. No one else. Only Jesus can. Oh, that sounds offensive, Pastor. No, but that's the truth. Only Jesus can and will change the trajectory of this man's life. The inscription, this is the king of the Jews, as you read above that, verses 39. This inscription was no laughing matter to the second criminal. He didn't take it lightheartedly. He wasn't giggling about it. He wasn't lighthearted about it. He wasn't viewing it in the context of saying, you know what, that, that you know, that, uh, what a mockery this guy is. No, he, he saw the crowd there. I want you to listen to me. Listen, don't shut me off tonight. Please, please, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. Listen, listen, listen. He saw the crowd and the choice was this. Follow the crowd or walk with conviction. The crowd said, crucify him. The crowd screamed, kill him. The crowd, looked at the, uh, the crowd around him saw this man, saw Jesus, and they all wanted to oppose him. You know what this one man wanted to do? Run to him. One man in the midst of all the... Who was there at the scene at Calvary? Only John and Mary. The only two people that wanted Jesus alive and the rest of the crowd were Roman soldiers who wanted Jesus dead. Are you following me tonight? You, must, you have to catch the, the weight of this. And for a man who barely knew Jesus, he now speaks of, don't, don't, don't take this man's life. In fact, he turns to Jesus. He runs to Jesus. Because he understood, beloved, he had a revelation that Jesus was the rewarder. Not the Roman soldiers, not the Romans who were in charge, not the people who they assume, oh, you know, we're going to, you know the story, beloved. The Romans came, they took power, they took control. And you know what happened? 
their money became nothing. It was demonetized. Why? Because God was teaching people a lesson. Stop depending on men. And this is what this generation has to realize, beloved. He refused to pay attention. This second criminal, I'm going to close soon. This second criminal refused to pay attention to what the crowd was doing. Instead, he fixed his eyes on Jesus. So I ask you tonight, in line with what I preached on Sunday night, are you a crowd follower or a trendsetter? Do you follow what people say? Oh, you know why you go to church so much? Why you must give so much? Read something on the internet. Oh, you shouldn't tithe and then stop tithing. Can I, can I help you, beloved, tonight? You should stop following the crowd and start listening to the pastor and the word of God. Sometimes people think, Oh, I'm scout here, scout there. They think they're too smart. No, actually, you know what? You confuse yourself. You mess yourself up. And this is what happens right here. He fixed his eyes on Jesus. What did we read in Colossians 1, chapter 3, 1 or 2? Fix your eyes on what is above. Not here. This is where the reward comes from. You want a reward. You have to learn to fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the only one who can give you the rewards that He brings with Him. He is the only one who will reward you for the righteousness you've done and you've lived. Listen to me, beloved. There are some people I don't want to see in heaven. That's the truth. They cuss like the sailor. They gamble like the... Anyway, they drink like, okay, they smoke like a chimney. <laughs> and they are horrible testimonies for Jesus Christ. And you know what? God, just let them pay. Let them pay. We, we, we you know, there are people who walk in righteousness. Have you ever seen people, uh, you know, in third world nations, people who live for God, making godly decisions for God, righteously fighting, being persecuted for the faith, and here we are, so much of comfort. And what do we do? We take coming to church for granted. We take prayer for granted. We take everything that we have that we call as, you know what? Oh, this is my right for granted. You know, he looked to Jesus. And I know I may say some harsh things, but beloved, let me tell you, if you read the Word of God long enough, if you understand anything, the Bible does say, you can read the book of Jeremiah, you can read the book of Hebrews. The Bible is very, listen, I'm not quoting it. You come and see me after service, I'll give you the scriptures. The Bible says, don't pray for some people. When they don't want to listen, don't pray for them. Let them pay the price. Because God wants them to know he is the rewarder when will christians come to that place understand my life is not here on earth i have to please god so salvation and eternal life 
are going to be same for all Christians who do right. So, as long as you're righteous, as long as you're not in sin, as long as you're walking in obedience, you make heaven your home. Right? Right? Because that's what Jesus died for. Right? But if you're doing things that are stumbling somebody, ungodliness, unrighteousness, it's a different story altogether. But what must become the conviction of a Christian is this. Our eternal reward, spending eternity with Jesus, must outweigh anything that this world can give us. Can I say that again? The conviction that every Christian should live with is this. That the eternal reward, spending relationship in eternity with God for the rest of us, should outweigh anything that this world can give them. See, God is not mocked. He blesses people who do right and He causes people to go through trouble who don't do what's right. Isn't it? That, that, that's a reality. You reap what you sow. And the truth is, salvation and eternal life is the same for everyone. So listen to me very carefully. But there are a few rewards that Christians may or may not get. Number one, the victor's crown. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm not going to take too much of time. I'm just going to jump through it all very quickly. Jeremy, you have to be fast. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 25 to 27. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but, for an, but we for an imperishable crown. Say imperishable crown. That means God is desiring that we will gain this crown. Then this is what Paul says, Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subject. I don't like to pray. Discipline your body. I don't like to fast. Discipline your body. Oh, I cannot stand without food. Discipline your body. I cannot stand without having that relation. Discipline your body. The victor's crown is only to those who was able to say no when they were here on earth. No, I'm not going to touch that. No, I'm going to stand for righteousness. No, I'm not going to fall for that sin. No, I'm not going to do that. No, 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 no. And because you make decisions to say, no, I'm going to walk righteously. Oh, I'm not going to give in to that. I'm going to discipline myself so I can be in the house. I'm going to discipline myself so I can witness. I'm going to discipline myself so I don't feed my flesh. I'm going to discipline myself. And God says, when you get to heaven, the victor's crown is given to you. Not brother victor's crown. <laughs> Sorry bro, I think we'll get your crown. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> the truth is, it's the victor's crown. So the second type of reward, so that's one. And I have to move very quickly tonight. The second type of crown is the crown of rejoicing. In 1 Thessalonians 2.19, For what is our hope or joy or crown of Rejoicing. Right? And is it not even in the presence of our God, Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? There is a crown of rejoicing for those who kept the joy of the Lord. How many of us have grown fed up with 
being in the house of God. Uh, so tired, lah, Pastor. Tired of coming to church. Tired of coming. Tired of giving. Tired of serving. Tired of uh, Tuesday night. I'm so bored. If you have the joy of the Lord, the reward, the rejoicing crown becomes your portion. You don't just make it to heaven. He gives you a crown. Maybe I'll preach a whole series on this. Another one is the crown of righteousness. Second Timothy, you go home and read these passages for the sake of time. Second Timothy chapter 4, 8. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Not to me only, but also to all those who have loved His appearing. The crown of righteousness. What does it mean? Those who have chosen to walk righteously that means god has seen god has observed god has seen that you have chosen to keep your salvation you have preserved it you have chosen not to give up your salvation you have chosen to walk righteously what does righteously mean that means in line with god's command Everything you do. No, I have to be righteous. In my business, I have to be righteous. In my job, I have to be righteous. In my lifestyle, words I speak, I have to be righteous. Then there's a reward for that. Are you with me tonight? So it's not only heaven. The other crown is the crown of, glory, uh, crown of life. James 1 verses 12. Look at this passage. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The crown of life. Those who make righteous and godly decisions. The crown of life represents those who have resisted temptations. Those who have been tempted, you know, in this world that we are living in, beloved, I am convinced this is one crown that many Christians who have walked the righteous step. Because listen, it's not only one thing to do right, right? How many know that Joseph in the New Old Testament chose to do right? He was a righteous man. But how many know temptation came lurking? He was tempted. In the temptation, he refused it. He said, no. And for that, God rewards. You see, God's not a robber. He's not a violator. Because you made these decisions, God will reward you. The final crown tonight is the crown of glory. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 4. Bible says, and when the chief shepherd appears... You will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. And so they believe that this crown of glory refers to those in ministry. Those who have shepherded, those who have led with diligence and faithfulness. Those who have chosen to say, I'm not going to violate and abuse the people God has given me. God will honor that. So you see, beloved, if we don't keep our eyes on Jesus, I'm not hitting on anyone here tonight. Listen to me, you know what? Let God convict you about your sin. I will not, 
I will not uh, uh, come and say, oh, why, why are you doing the way? It's not my business. Let God deal with you. Let God deal with me. But I will say to you, it is important that in both these sermons, back to back, Sunday night I preach tonight, that we will take an examination in our hearts. God, what am I doing that could rob me of the reward? You see, the first question we must ask, do we believe that God is truly a rewarder? That means I have to make up my mind tonight that everything, when I'm going through the struggles, God sees and God will reward me for doing right. God sees and God will reward me for doing what is right in His sight. That God is not blinded by my, my affairs or my problems or my trials or my temptation. God sees it and I choose to believe He is a rewarder. That's the first thing. And the second thing you have to leave with tonight, once you've established that in your heart, that God, I have the fear of God, you reward and you judge. Everything I do, does it put the fear of God in you? And the second thing tonight is simply this. The reward is not temporal. It's eternal. Where is your eyes tonight set on? Where are your eyes on? Eternity? Or here? And finally... The price that Jesus paid was the price to redeem, was the price it took to redeem our reward. I, I want you to feel the weight of that, beloved. Come on. How can we sin when we know the pain our Lord and Savior went through? How can we treat that so lightly? When we understand that my reward, the crown of life, the crown of righteousness, eternity. You see, if that doesn't matter to you, then don't waste your time being a Christian. Because the only thing that sets Christianity apart from Buddhism, Hinduism, and all the other, Islam and everything else, is that in Christianity, we have a God who died on the cross and a God who rewards you and I. What did it cost Him? What did that reward cost Him? What did it cost Him? His blood and His life. His entire life was put on that cross. And how can we as Christians treat it so dismissively? No cross, no reward. No blood, no salvation. Why do I get rewarded for my faithfulness? I mean, look at the world. It's sick, isn't it? You want to do right. The world is tempting you. If you don't follow them, you don't get anything. You, 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 have to, you have to do this our way. If not what? You cannot work for us. And you know what most Christians do? <laughs> I, cannot, I, I won't get my money. And they run after that. 
right? What about the price Jesus paid? We go on outreach and we casually, you know, say, Jesus loves you. (laughs) He died. Does it not burden us that we are there to tell people that Jesus is the only way? Does it not burden us? So I can be rewarded? And then I want to live a life of sin and lose that reward? See, the humble criminal, I'm at 40 minutes, I'm going to close. I promise you. The humble criminal embraced his charges. He didn't deny it. He didn't say, oh, do you know what kind of man I am? You know, sometimes that's what Christians do, right? Maybe I'm preaching this tonight and you're sitting there, "Uh, I'm not like as bad as them, you know, pastor. You know what they all do, ah? You don't know my brother, my sister, my uncle, my auntie. Don't even go to church, you know. We're not talking about them. We're talking about you tonight. Don't talk about them. You. You, you, you and I tonight in this place. I'm not as bad as them. At least I come what? At least I give what? At least I say prayer what? No, no, no. Don't, don't measure that with God. Because the reality is, This humble man embraced his charges. I did wrong. But the other man is exactly what a religious, arrogant person would do. Who do you think you are? So this is key right here as we close. He didn't refute the price that Jesus had to pay. In fact, in verses 41, look at this text, beloved. He makes this profound statement that really got into the depths of my heart. He says, for we receive the due reward for our deeds. And he goes on to say, but this man, this man has done nothing wrong. You know the weight of that statement? Jesus paid for something he hadn't done. I remember years ago, Moses was sharing with me a story. I don't know why, I, this past couple of days, I've just been thinking about him and I think stories keep coming back to my mind. About a friend, he was a great storyteller by the way. He, he had a lot of stories to tell. A friend went to Thailand and this guy was um, in a toy store and uh, what happened is um, one of the toys had fallen, I think, and it broke. And so what this man did is he said, the, the shopkeeper came out and said, Sir, I'm sorry, but you have to pay for that. This man was a man who was filled with so much of pride. Not Moses, his friend. It was his friend. He's so filled with so much of pride. He said, you know what? You take everything in the shop, everything. Tell me how much. And he paid for all the toys that was in the shop. He took the toys, he came outside, he threw it in the drain and he walked away. It was arrogance, fuming with pride, fuming with... Actually, if you ask me, that's just plain flat out stupidity. But the reality is, that's sometimes the way Christians behave with God. What, 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 what? You think what? What's the price? What do you want me to pay? 
Okay lah, I come to church lah. Okay lah, I read lah. Right? And then we throw our anger at God and then two days. And then no show anymore. It's over. You just say, you just want to get back at God. This is a foul spirit that the first criminal had. All he wanted to do was he wanted to prove to God that he was right. But look at the second man. He had a tone of appreciation, gratitude. And I make a statement to you as I close. We will only understand reward when we understand mercy. May you make that statement again. The only people who understand the rewards that are hanging in the balance Every day of your life, your reward is at stake. But the only people who will take the rewards that God has for them seriously are the people who understand the mercy that God has expressed to them. If you knew how much trouble we gave God, and we still give Him trouble today, Continue in our sin, continue in our attitudes, continue in our character, continually going forward in, in arrogance and pride. When you understand the reward, you understand the mercy. You know, entitled people are never grateful people. I deserve it, what? I deserve it. He deserves to do this for me. He deserves to do She deserves to do this. I deserve. I deserve to be given food. I deserve it. I deserve it. You know, he was not going to get what he deserved because Jesus, Jesus changed the final destination of this man. And I don't know how else to say to you. I know it sounds that this sermon is just one of those sermons. But oh, beloved, I wish I could enforce and express and elaborate and I can put a weight on this. But you know what? I think I've said enough tonight. Do you take those rewards seriously? Does those rewards even interest you? The crown of life, the crown of righteousness, does it even interest you at all? That you have that reward waiting and if you don't do right, you can miss that? Does it bother you? Look at the things the world chases after. Money, 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 money. Everything is about money. Everything, everybody wants. They want to help you? Oh, put some money in. You give some money, I'll help you. Everything is about, everything is money. It's a love of money. And I ask you tonight, what kind of reward do you want? Are you the first criminal? Or are you the second one? Who look to Jesus, you're humble and you thank Him for the reward He's given to you and I. I want you to bow your heads tonight.